0: And so I just feel like anything that we can do to make access easier, in addition to help those who are most vulnerable in our population, it just, there's no question. It, It has to be done, it has to be promoted, it needs to be invested in, it needs to be fostered so that we really can start making meaningful impact into our communities. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and all your favorite podcast players.
1: Join the Pharmacy Podcast Nation today. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. I get to feature some of the leading innovators in healthcare, but everyone knows my favorite provider is the pharmacist, and I have been... Really excited and waiting to bring on the public health pharmacist, Dr. Christina Madison to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me today, Todd.
1: I also want to welcome another guest who is an innovator in pharmacy, especially now with COVID-19 and this pandemic happening, how many of our rural area Americans, uh, senior citizens, people that aren't able to leave their homes, that need medication, in the importance for delivery. I'd like to welcome Leslie Ansanga to the Pharmacy Podcast. Leslie, welcome.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: So I've met um, Dr. Christina. Um, you are just doing some amazing things in public for the face of pharmacy. You have been on, uh, featured on um, on so many different news organizations, on PBS, um, KT, KTNV, Las Vegas, uh, different uh, shows that are really important, tapping into the knowledge of a pharmacist and what you're representing. I kind of wanted to give the Pharmacy Podcast Network and Nation, if you don't know uh, of Christina Madison, just give us some background on yourself.
0: Yeah, so um, I have been working in public health um, pretty much a majority of my career, uh, but last year I wanted to start a consulting business. And with that consulting business, I um, decided that I was gonna take all of these skills that I had obtained through you know, over a decade of working as a clinical pharmacist within a public health department, um, under the auspice of a college of pharmacy and really parlay that into um, being able to give uh, information to the public. Um, And so part of that um, originally before the pandemic hit was to just get more information out about public health and why public health matters um, and that pharmacists are an integral role um, in public health and how um, we as pharmacists professionals and clinicians can really make an impact in our communities. And so I started doing that through my social media channels, and was starting to do and be invited to give professional uh, presentations and keynotes. And then the pandemic hit, and I had to pivot. And so I got an amazing opportunity to be called upon as a public health expert for one of our local news um, stations as an on-air television expert. And um, the rest is kind of history. At this point, I've probably been featured in Over 50 on-air appearances, and um, some of my stories have been picked up by outlets all over the country. Um, So it's kind of been a whirlwind, but I'm just super excited for the opportunity to really showcase the profession of pharmacy as this unsung hero, especially during the the pandemic and during COVID 19.
1: I'm glad you said that. You know, the pharmacy podcast has really been a show for the pharmacy professional done. Majority of our of our hosts are pharmacists, so it's a it's a podcast that is in support of us as the pharmacy professional. However, we have started to extend outwards so that the public understands what your pharmacist does in comparison to their impression of what a pharmacist does and the behind the scenes um, abilities and. And what roles that pharmacists are taking today are no way even comparable to what it was uh, 20, 30 years ago. It's just so expanded in technology. Um, We know the world of uh, of digital therapeutics is opening up doors for pharmacists with that informatics background, and then in research and um, in hospital systems, as well as the specialty disease states where pharmacists are becoming experts in a very specific disease state, which is where I heard your first podcast, uh, Dr. Madison. It was with uh, one of our podcasters, uh, Michelle Sherman, who does the Conscious Pharmacist podcast. And that's where I learned of you and and had already been following you on social media, but really kind of uh, with lack of a better term kind of fell in love with the way that you think and the way that you talk and the way that you position yourself which like you had said is really representing the pharmacy of tomorrow versus where we've come from as the uh, corner drugstore and there's nothing wrong with that corner drugstore persona but it's it's kind of pigeonholing a pharmacist of what we're capable and what you're capable of doing as a, as a leader in, in healthcare. So I really enjoyed not only your, your podcast with Michelle, but also um, just your, your overview right now of, of where you're going.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And um you know, Michelle is, a, is also a phenomenal uh, pharmacist as well, really on the forefront of HIV care, um, which is how I know her because both of us work in infectious communicable diseases. And, and I'm just seeing, you know, all of these, you know, these states looking at legislative changes allowing for pharmacists to really be more, um, available and more accessible as it relates to HIV prevention. And so I'm just super excited to see where we go in the next five to 10 years. And I really think that the pandemic has really accelerated some of these areas where um, there are either chronic medical conditions or preventative care that are medication intensive like hepatitis C, HIV, sexually transmitted infections that can easily be done by a pharmacist and um, we're more than capable of, you know, what I would consider be able to finally practice at the level of our licensure and our expertise.
1: Absolutely. Dr. Leslie, I am so excited to have you. Um, you're from uh, many, many different facets of where you, you, you came from, where your healthcare background started at Yale University and having a master's of public health as well on top of your PharmD and an MBA to boot that, which is just amazing. And then founder of Farm Hub, which uh, definitely want to want to ask you about that. But tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, so um, I am a pharmacist and I'm originally from Cameroon. So I moved to America about 10 years ago. And so I... Um, went to pharmacy school graduated pharmacy school and then i worked as a community community pharmacist for one of the big uh, retail chains but i would say part of my uh, reasons for wanting to go back to school um, was because i wasn't really feeling like i was um, i was using my full potential you know working in that space so i wanted to do something i wanted to add and, uh, you know, I wanted to add an extra tool and open myself to a wider uh, horizon where I could, you know, practice a lot more and explore my full potential. So I went to that's how I went back. That journey took me back to uh, to Yale, where um, I focus more on like public health entrepreneurship and trying to um, see how I can contribute as uh, a pharmacist. In the, in the public health arena and healthcare in general.
1: You're uh, underplaying your entrepreneurial spirit because I tell you what, to have someone that is helping to develop how to eradicate the circulation of counterfeit drugs in vulnerable communities and how you've worked with uh, governments, how you've worked with your team. Um, and now you've turned uh, some of your experiences into a delivery system during a pandemic where we need the delivery of medications uh, more than ever. Tell us a little bit about eFarm Hub, and then I do have questions about pills to me as well.
2: Okay, so um, eFarm Hub, which is now your farm, like you are a PHARM, so it's... um, the project that originally started when i when i went to um uh yale school of public health so my goal was to help because coming from cameroon i understand and i've lived um in, an, in a community where you know there's high prevalence of counterfeit drugs and people have very low little access to authentic life-saving drugs and literally dying there are people dying somewhere in a small village, and while there are medications on, uh, uh, hus- on like pharmacy counters, pharmacy shelves that are expiring. So, for me and one of my uh, friends, my childhood friends, uh, who works in the tech uh, industry, he works for IBM. We he he kind of he called me up and he said, "What can we do, your pharmacist, now?" And I'm a tech guy, so how can we combine our tech and pharmacy industry knowledge? To be able to 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 solve some of these problems, so that's how we started uh, your farm. So what your farm does is that it it kind of like it's an it's a mobile application where where uh, a patient goes on and types searches the medication by name, and then it will show them the medication the pharmacies that have the medication in stock by distance from the patient. So it shows from the closest to the farthest. So this. Eliminates the patient going. I mean, this is a this is a problem that is not in the Western society like in the US is not very common, but everyone who uh, Is from sub Saharan Africa understands this very well, like Each time you get a prescription from a doctor, you have to go through like 15 different pharmacies to be able to find that medication and it, it costs people money and time and even People die in the process so just to be able to have an application where someone goes in and types the name of the medication and it shows you the pharmacy that has it in stock and you just go directly to the pharmacy and grab them get the medication and it's a great it's a game changer and and then also it's um oh if we're also given the access for for example there are people who live in the rural areas in the villages which is Which are like medication deserts. So there are very few pharmacies around. So from that village, you can find a if you find a medication that is like six in a city that's six hours away, you can always purchase the medication and have it delivered to you uh, next day, overnight. And then there's also that problem for us that are immigrants living here in the Western world. Like we're mostly the breadwinners of our families back home and one of the other problems we noticed was that it was every time any of our loved ones needed medications we were the first people they would call and then you have to go through this hassle of going to western union and then paying high transfer charges and then the, the when the person receives the money they have to go from pharmacy to one pharmacy to the next so what our app does is that for someone who like my little sister who i take care of in Cameroon. If she needs a medication and finds it on there and cannot afford it, she sends me a link and I just go on the app and I pay for the medication and she goes to the pharmacy and picks it up. So that's uh that's uh your uh your farming in, in in a nutshell. That's that's basically what we do. And we recently uh released the first version of the app um last Friday. So uh we're we're working on improving and iterating and making sure people have access to their medicine. So but what we're starting with uh, uh in Cameroon where I'm originally from and then from there we will expand to the, the rest of uh sub-Saharan Africa with time. So and with that that your farm appeals to me was what we you, we took to the to start up Yale competition which is Um, a Yale um, Annual Entrepreneurship Award and these both companies won the Thorn Prize, so we won the Annual Entrepreneurship Award at Yale uh, in 2020.
1: Very good, that's incredible. Both of you have public health backgrounds in your education um, and I think that it is very timely to have experts like yourselves who are taking a look at the needs of public health and how public health has changed? The needs of our communities here in the in the states, and I'm, I'm, I can only imagine abroad in in other other countries, needs have changed. It, it's drastic in comparison to what our public and what population health pockets of the United States needs in comparison to what was needed. Back in um, February of, of just this year, I wanted to come back to you, Christina, and, and and just tap in. You have been asked to be a board of advisor, a board of directors uh, for uh, this organization. Pills to me, why do you think it's important to have a pills to me infrastructure in place, um, and and how does that tap back to ensuring that the public stays healthy?
0: it's wow, so a great question um first and foremost um i just want to say that um leslie is actually a former student of mine and he contacted me and you know he you know talked me through this amazing platform and what he wanted to do with it and i pretty much immediately fell in love so it was more of a gift than I can even imagine it would have been if he hadn't reached out to me. And so, um, you know, when I look at where we are as a profession, I feel like any time we have an opportunity to not only advance our profession forward and to give um, more forward facing attention to us as clinicians and innovators um, and entrepreneurs for that matter, I think there's a responsibility, especially as an educator, to really give back to our our students. And so for me, this was like a triple win, right? So it was me having the ability to help out um, a former student to give back, to mentor, but then also to be at the forefront of this digital healthcare revolution that I feel like we're really at the precipice of right now. And so I just feel like anything that we can do to make access easier, in addition to help those who are most vulnerable in our population, it just, there's no question. It it has to be done. It has to be promoted. It needs to be invested in. It needs to be fostered so that we really can start making meaningful impact into our communities.
1: I get so proud when I listen to both of you because you're you're coming at this. Your heart is in this as servant leaders, and you know your your pharmacists to start which is, you know, all it's like the Jerry Maguire line you had me at pharmacists when I've been scheduling these interviews. Uh, but now you, you, you take another, another level and another degree of, of studying what does the public need. And when I think of technology and I think of uh, services like Uber, um, which was just revolutionary in the transportation industry and and really disrupting uh, something that was needed in the taxi uh, cab uh, industry. Now Uber's really trickling over into other sectors of of American business, worldwide business, international changes. Leslie, I'm wondering how do you see Pills to Me um, impacting? Different sectors of the country. Do you think it's going to be more prevalent in the most rural areas, or do you think it actually is more important to have uh, these services in in these large metropolitans?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question because um, it, it. I think I can answer this in, in in two ways, right? As as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, when you look at it, it's more attractive to launch a project like this in like a highly dense urban area because then you have like uh, those really early adopters, those um, busy professionals, high paying, um, high net worth individuals who just want that convenience of sitting in their homes and, you know, or their office and getting everything uh, to them. So. That is economically attractive, but when I look at it from a pharmacist perspective and a public health professional uh, perspective, I'm looking at the impact part of it. Will be more in the rural areas where people uh, people already uh, you know are already having uh, little access to medications, especially because they're not like it's not really dense and the there are fewer fewer. Uh, Pharmacies in such areas, and that's one of the reasons why uh, appeals to me. Well, appeals to me. We decided to really partner with independent pharmacies because we know that independent pharmacies are the blood of these neighborhoods, especially those rural areas where the bigger chains do not find find them economically attractive to install as many pharmacies as they do in in urban areas. So. So we, we see, I see appeals to me as, as uh, a company that's gonna have an impact everywhere, like both in the urban areas for like busy professionals who keep their medications because of time uh, constraints, and then also in rural areas for people who do not uh, have a- access to medications as, as uh, people who live in the uh, in urban areas.
1: This could not have come at a better time with the recent issues that we've all heard about in the news. And my my own father has experienced um, in in some of the um, services that that he's waiting for in, in, sign- in a side business that he runs. The United States Postal Service has had delivery issues, which has created... Um, some very dangerous instances where patients are not receiving their medications. Um, can you speak to that a little bit, uh, Christina?
0: Yeah. So we live in such interesting times and it really has been, um, as somebody, you know, looking at this from the outside, not only as a patient provider, but also from the standpoint of a daughter who has a mother who, you know, is in an age group and in a vulnerable population that needs to get access to medications, and now me being the one who's assuming this role of trying to get her access to these therapies. Um, And so I think that, you know, when we look at the disruption within the Postal Service, Um, I think initially when we started hearing the reports um, of delays, it was, you know, slightly troubling. But then when you actually think about how many people get their medications through the mail now, when you think about how big mail order pharmacy has become, and also as somebody who did their residency at a VA, um, how much people depend on getting their prescriptions through the postal service and how devastating this could be for somebody who needed a life-saving medication um, especially things like insulin you know we think about temperature controls we think about you know people making sure that they you know are going to the mailbox so that they know when to get the the medication so that you know things that are temperature sensitive are picked up in a timely fashion you know it's 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 disturbing and it's it's very daunting and I think that, you know, when we look at solutions to these kinds of problems, not everyone has access to go to their community pharmacy instead of getting something via the mail, either due to disability or due to lack of transportation or because they're a vulnerable person and they don't want to be exposed to the virus during this pandemic. So. I agree with you wholeheartedly that you know delivery systems that are maybe independent of the U.S. Postal Service and or uh, convenient, especially to our most vulnerable populations, are even more needed now, now than ever. And so I'm really hopeful that you know once uh, Pills to Me um, is able to you know really get going, that this could be you know easily nationwide and that we have more access to more drivers, um, as well as you know implementation of additional services down the road that really are truly special because this is a company that's not just from a entrepreneur, but specifically an entrepreneur with a pharmacy background. So that's why I believe in it, and I'm hopeful that um, you know, we can be a solution in a time of need
2: yeah i think that brings us to to um if i can uh say a word about the genesis of all the, of of pills to me like uh, dr madison radley said like a lot of these um postal services even though they're getting disrupted right now were were very unreliable to begin with you know as in in the beginning of the pandemic as a pharmacist working for a big chain pharmacy i um we started offering um free delivery through the US Postal Off uh Postal Service and it was a two day delivery, but it was a lot of chaos because every third call you got was a, from a patient like, Hey, you guys told me my prescription will be here today, it's been I've been home all day waiting for it. Somebody's like, "Hey, it's been three days since my prescription was supposed to get here. I don't have it, and now I need my medicine and if and all of that it was all that all of that chaos and from me seeing a lot of patients still coming in you know coming into the pharmacy to pick up their medications that kind of like sparked this idea, especially the elderly and immunocompromised and that's why we started off as just a purely volunteer. Um, service where we, we get young and healthy people to help pick up medications for the elderly and immunocompromised so they can stay home and get reliable access to their medications. But and, 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 uh, as a pharmacist, I know very well, like, okay, those those other services, mail order and all of those, they're, they're covering those um, uh, chronic disease states. But what about someone who just got out of the who just got uh, talked to their doctor on the phone. Now that telemedicine is like every everyone's talking to the doctor virtually. So so people are talking to their doctors virtually and still have to come to the pharmacy. And when you have an urgent need, you're not waiting two days for your uh, for a pill pack from Amazon to bring in your medications or whichever mail service they use to bring it in. So we're hoping that as uh, as a service, we're trying to give that on demand, like when you want it, get your medication when and where you want it, and and that's 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 why we, we, we I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done in this in this space, and hopefully we can get there and make it accessible for everyone.
1: Nationally, there was an Ipsos poll that was done about two weeks ago that showed that one in five Americans were getting medications through the mail. And in the past week, one in four of them experienced either minor or major delays or even non-delivery of medications. And when I think of this, I think of the $300 billion price tag on medication non-adherence that has been an enormous problem. And now we're in a pandemic where, getting anything, groceries, getting, um, you know, going to see your doctor, going to see your dentist, healthcare in general, I think it's been impacted and it's been compounded as a problem. And I'm wondering, you know, are there metrics, are there studies that both of you in the public health sector can actually deliver to our, our, our state and our federal governments to show that we need to pay attention to um, models and we can't just rely on um, on the United States Postal Service for medication delivery, especially when it's critical. And I and in my opinion, I think we should put patients' medications in categories. Not that all medications are important, of course they are, but I think there are certain medications which are much more impacting to. Uh, someone that has seizures that could have a seizure every day if they don't stay on a medication, or there's a blood thinner that needs to be there, or something extremely vital in comparison to always relying on male service. And we've seen the combination in in many major PBM players that also own pharmacies that have uh, failed their their patients based on the metrics of 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 combining services with pharmacy with uh, general delivery service instead of this very personalized delivery service. And I think therein lies an opportunity, uh, Leslie and Christina, for these kind of personalized delivery services. Um, Christina, what do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I think that that's an excellent point. I'll even take this even a step further. Um, from my current area of expertise and practice, which is the infectious communicable disease side. So last year, uh, National Institutes of Health declared that sexually transmitted infections was a public health crisis. And I'm just looking at this situation now that we're having all of these challenges, not only with access to therapeutics, but access to care. And as we see the digital healthcare space opening up, I'm hopeful that those you know, those individuals who may not have had access to a provider, um, you know, are able to access some of these services, not just from the standpoint of, you know, do I have access to a, a provider specifically, but the confidentiality factor, if you are dealing with something that is more of a sensitive nature or some sensitive topic, or in this case potentially stigma associated with things like STDs and HIV. And so I really look at this as an amazing opportunity to really think about how can we impact these STD rates? How can we impact, you know, the ability to get HIV prevention to those who most need it? How do we break down stigma? How do we get past some of these institutionalized, you know, Societal, um, social determinants of health that have been, you know, issues related to racism and, yeah. and you know, just everything that we're dealing with as a nation right now. Um, not that I'm saying that we can cure all of those things, but I think it's definitely a step forward in the right direction. And if everybody's getting things delivered to their home and everyone is is has the ability to access a provider through you know, some type of digital means, maybe it takes away some of those, you know, barriers that we've seen in the past because of things like racism and, you know, just, additional challenges with access to care because of limited transportation or um, you know it's not just access to care but access to quality of care and good quality care that we have seen disproportionately impacting those vulnerable populations and in particular our black and brown communities and our indigenous populations and so again going back to what leslie mentioned before like this is filling multiple needs and The fact that we've identified the problem is only the first step. But we, as a profession, need to put more stock into societal change and meaningful change and not just thinking about the health of the one, but the health of the many.
1: Absolutely. And when I think of the technological capabilities today with our mobile phones, Applications, uh, what Amazon has done to delivery through Prime when I order a case of uh, Apple Jacks, my daughter's very favorite cereal, and in fact, I did, and this is an exact, as is an actual example. I ordered her a case of the individual sizes of the Apple Jacks that I think there's, I think twenty in a box, and when I sent that, she lives with her mom about an hour and a half from me, I could see a prompt on my phone saying, you know, your Apple Jacks are only eight stops away. And I'm, the very first thing I thought, knowing that we were doing this episode, because this just happened last week, is goodness gracious, tracking of Apple Jacks in comparison to life altering and, and, you know, carrying of my medication or a medication of somebody We really need to take this up a level, empower organizations um, like pills to me, and then combine the world of technology, what our pharmacists, especially those community pharmacies out there that really understand and know their patients, and the disease states that are the most sensitive and, and have the biggest impact, and kind of bringing that all together. But the opportunity here and I'm thinking of you, Leslie, and your company is absolutely m- momentous and and it excites me
2: yeah that's true you're 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 very right when it comes to a lot of those things and this uh this was like it brings me back to where I think um we as pharmacists uh in the profession we need to take advantage we need to put ourselves out there solving these problems for ourselves. And I think we would do a better job because we understand a lot of these things. Because I actually took a class on digital innovation at the Yale School of Management, where we, we took a, a deep dive into um, innovations in the digital digital health space. And it was kind of an an, an eye opener for me because I, we looked at these these like gigantic startups that have grown to become unicorns and very few of them apart from true Peel and, and PillPack, none none of the none of the other ones were started by pharmacists like look at look at now RX Auto Pharmacy Capsule all of those companies um Roman that has gone up to to, to become like a one point five billion dollar company, none of those have beca- uh, were started by by pharmacists and and when you when I look at their processes, I can see a lot of a lot of gaps like you talk about tracking if someone can track what what I actually had in my mind was like if I can buy a pizza from Domino's, and it tells me hey, this your pizza is being you know prepared or with the drivers on the way and and all those that tracking from from end to end. Why shouldn't we? Couldn't we have that for for medications which are really, very vital? So so that's what I would, those are the kind of things that we're kind of um, incorporating uh, with pills. To me, like from the moment your 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 driver picks up or you put in your order, your driver accepts it, it it, it initiates a communication between you and the driver. And we got we it, that was also inspired by our early. Um, uh, uh, Page users who were telling us, uh, okay, I have my prescription that I need you guys to pick it up from pick up for me. Can you guys also help me grab a bottle of Tylenol? So from there, we kind of created that communication link whereby when a driver accepts a delivery, he opens a chat window between the driver and the patient and the patient can chat and ask anything like can you uh, can you grab me a bottle of Tylenol when you get to the pharmacy or even if the 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 runner is is running late at the because there's a long line at the pharmacy. Then they can always you know keep texting so that the patient knows exactly where their medication is at every given time. And that also helps us to you know to be able to it gives the patient a peace of mind because when we talk about um food delivery, anybody can deliver your pizza. Anybody you can let anybody deliver your your um your your meal through doordash and all of that, but when it comes to medications, it's not that easy it's not that straightforward you know it's it's uh, a lot of things can happen especially with like Dr. Madison mentioned like temperature sensitive medications like uh like insulin so what the tracking does for us it also helps us to know that because we're having drivers that you know are out there. We don't. We, we can. We can always see when they left the pharmacy and when they got to the patient's house, making sure that they're not making unnecessary stops along the way, and maybe something happens to that medication. So, so it's it, like you said. It's like there's a lot, a lot of opportunities out there right now. Especially telemedicine grew up, grew to more than um, more than a hundred percent from uh, March up till now and people still are still having to go to the pharmacy to pick up their medication that kind of breaks breaks you know that continuum of care like the the same reason somebody doesn't want to go to a doctor or prefers to talk on the phone is the same reason they shouldn't have to go to the pharmacy unless they, they have the spare time and they want to go so so we there's a lot of things we're looking out looking at out there and even when we talk about um over-the-counter medications, uh, availability and sales. When you look at big chains like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, they're all from, you can purchase Tylenol from them through their, their uh, website and and all of that, but you cannot pr- purchase OTC uh, online from your local community pharmacy. So we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to pull all of these resources and enable, empower this community pharmacies who, who, that we know that are like, like the, 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 the core of their community so that they too can benefit from this $44 billion OTC uh, market that they're currently missing on. Because we looked at all 21,000 uh, uh, independent pharmacies in, in, in America, less than 5% of these pharmacies offer OTC items over the counter, but which is which is insane, given the, the, the size of the market. So there's so many different things, like consult your pharmacist thing. We want a patient to be able to access, even because sometimes a patient comes to the pharmacy, gets their medication, you spend your time going through counseling. Sometimes it's a lot of things to remember when they get home. So we, we're also trying to give them access to that readily available pharmacy so that even if they go home and it's, they can't remember something that was said at the pharmacy, they still have that opportunity to reach out. And all of these can will create like, you know, medication adherence, taking your medications rightly, and all of that. And that's why we're like, I, I always tell people like, even though we, it says pills to me, we're not just a, medica- a medication delivery service. So our goal is to be able to give pa- uh, patients a remote access to all of all pharmacy services because it's happening in all other professions but it hasn't yet hit pharmacy so we're looking to be like the front man like the <clears throat> having that the first mover mover advantage and in 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 this space and that's why our our uh, slogan is bringing your pharmacy to you so it's not just the medication all the services that you can acce- have access uh, apart from of course immunizations which cannot be given remotely.
1: So I think of closed loop processes, my background is pharmacy management systems and understanding how processes can not only increase uh, the efficiency, but if you uh, constantly look back to the process itself, you can change it for a specific situation so that uh, one year, two years, five years from beginning, you now have cataloged how to handle specific situations to ensure that patients are being cared for in the manner that they need be. And when I'm hearing both of you talk, it excites me because I see opportunities here for the intimacy between pharmacists and patients to increase, even though you might not be in the pharmacy. And here's what I'm thinking. And I, I, I want to kind of listen to uh, your ideas, uh, Dr. Madison, on this. And that is, if you go to a busy pharmacy, whether that be a private, independent community pharmacy, maybe doing 300 to 600 prescriptions a day, or you go to a large chain that's pumping out 1,200, 2,000 prescriptions a day, you still, in many cases, need to review your medication, especially if it's something sensitive, with your pharmacist to understand taking it, drug-drug interactions, drug-allergy interactions. Maybe it's a a non-absorption topical that needs to be discussed of how to put it on the right way, whatever. When I think of that, I think of how busy that atmosphere is and how stressful that atmosphere is. If we can deliver medications to our patients with a pills to me model and then schedule an after appointment where a pharmacist comes on a telehealth environment where they're communicating over the internet over a zoom like environment where they can see the patient ask questions it's less stressful things are now you are at home you've relaxed you're not out shopping and hustling and bustling you're just you know you're you're you're, your, your pulse is probably different because you're not out there. You get a time to be with the patient where they're most comfortable, which is in their home, to ask the questions that you need to ask. And I see in the world of closed-loop processes an opportunity for pharmacists in comparison to really almost any other healthcare provider. I want to get your, um, your thoughts on that, Dr. Madison.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And if anything, I would say even in addition to that, it potentially could free up the pharmacist at the physical site of the pharmacy to be able to do more innovation and more things that would also be what I would consider to be public health. And so, I'm not sure if you you saw this, but about Uh, It's now been almost two weeks ago, Um, Health and Human Services um, Secretary Azar came out with a declaration now allowing all pharmacists in all 50 states to provide pediatric vaccinations um, in order to help with vaccination rates for uh, vaccine preventable diseases because we know that there are many children that have not accessed that well visit at their pediatrician's office um, because of the pandemic. Um, as well as so many of our children now learning from home. And so there hasn't been that impetus to have those back to school vaccinations. And so, you know, this is a possibility for us to now be freed up for things that have to be done in the physical space, but also can expand the role of the pharmacist. And I'll even take one step further and say, Um, If we can get CMS to recognize us as providers, we can now be able to bill for these very important cognitive services that could keep people out of hospitals um, healthy and to not only manage their chronic medical conditions, but do preventative care screenings and consultations. Um, I'll even go even further and say, you know, looking at, you know, preventative care such as colorectal cancer screenings, which have now been you know, forced into the spotlight because of the recent death of Chadwick Boseman and how important those preventative care screenings are in our communities of color. And I just see pharmacists really being at the forefront of those um, as the community pharmacy is the touchstone of these communities and such a trusted healthcare professional.
1: I like the fact that you've mentioned that in screenings because community pharmacies across the country have the ability to do some of that and as you said once CMS recognizes what we all know which is pharmacists as providers but get paid to do so instead of so many of the giveaways of your time as a as a healthcare professional what you do for patients that you're not being compensated for and and that's that's hard but there's definitely a way and we know that uh, 10 times or one time you're seeing your physician, you're seeing your pharmacist, your community pharmacist, 10 times just based on statistics that have been done. I also wanna comment uh, with Dr. Jamie Hardy and Dr. Frank North and Dr. Stephanie Young-Moss. We have our second part of transforming the nation series, which really digs into health disparities and in uh, lack of uh, leadership by, um, Black health professionals, uh, um, brown healthcare professionals, the minorities that that we need to start concentrating not only on the professional themselves and the the positions of leadership that they have, but also the fact that racial disparities are are costing our healthcare system more money in the long run than making sure that it's a a maintenance and relationship that's starting at the very beginning of the lives of of our Americans and our citizens. And so I'm very passionate about that. I actually, I think that that I'm going to be uh, reaching back out to you um, for a follow-up podcast, Dr. Christina Madison, to have you participate in Transform a Nation, because I think there's some insights that you're going to be able to bring to that series that are, are very important.
0: Well, I'd be happy to do so. And uh, also just want to also say in addition to our minority populations, I don't want to forget our sexual and gender minorities as well um, because we do see um, during this pandemic, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters being disproportionately impacted as well.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned that as well. We, we need to continue to build out that series. We've only done part one of, um, of gay and lesbian and, and the, the issues that they're facing in healthcare. That uh, that many of us don't understand and and don't really pay enough attention to and and how that impacts not only the individual but society as a whole because of that cascade because of that domino effect that problems that will arise when we're not paying attention to the details. Well, I'm excited. I am so proud of both of you and what you've done as pharmacists. Um, as your number one fan, I just uh, applaud both of you of what you're you're, you're doing in in healthcare. Um, I want to uh, put a um, an invitation out to both of you to come back when anything that's been advanced within pills to me. You're gonna have we're gonna have show notes and it's gonna have links to not only Dr. Christina Madison's. Um, the public health pharmacist.com, but also pills to me which is pills to me pills to me.com we're going to have um, links we're going to actually start pushing this through social if you are an independent um, pharmacy owner and you want to reach out to this organization i bet you that there's partner opportunities there's each actually a partner section um, to this website that you can actually engage and ask questions I'm excited. So you guys are just doing amazing things and, and I'm just glad that you could be here today.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Thank you so much again. Thank
1: you. you were listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We were on with the public health pharmacist, the one and only Dr. Christina Madison and PillsToMe.com founder which I'm just excited to even dig into this uh, with Dr. Leslie Asanya. I, I have more questions for you upcoming, so we're going to have to have you back.
2: Okay. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll happy to come back anytime.
1: Thank you. And as always, pharmacists out there, you are the hub of healthcare. We believe in you. If you ever need anything, please reach out to us. Um, and as, as I always say, I thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.